Well, John, thank you for joining me today. Um, for everyone on the podcast, John Anderson, CFO and founding partner at 35 South Capital is joining me today. Uh, John is a wonderful uh, general partner in the real estate space here in Texas uh, with whom we work. And we've really enjoyed, John, getting to know you, getting to know the team. And really, I, I enjoy so much about our relationship because it's so educational. I learned so much about the real estate space just from working with you and your group. So uh, rather than me butchering what you guys do on a daily basis, I'll just let you go ahead and give an intro on your background and what, you, what you're doing with 35 South Capital. Well, thank you very much for having me, Kevin. This is my first podcast to participate in, and I'm very blessed that you even asked me. I listen to a lot of your podcast and others, so I hope I can do it justice and, and tell you a little bit about us and, and hopefully help some of your, uh, your investors and other people. So I've been in the real estate business since I graduated from Baylor when I realized I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. <laughs> and I had to find something else to do. And I decided to find a, an industry that I had the same passion for as I had with baseball and found myself into the commercial real estate business. I always had a, a dream to have my own uh, real estate investment company and ultimately found myself at the University of Texas. I'm getting my MBA and, and focusing on real estate and how it fed into the investment world. Served as an MBA investment fund manager there at the University of Texas, um, really focused on how real estate fit um, in a portfolio. And actually wrote uh, my paper to Dr. Gao 20 years ago about small funds and you know how a uh, an individual or a small family would invest in a fund in Texas. So fast forward 20 years, we launched Front Porch Fund 2. Uh, my partners and I, uh, John Morton, Ryan Haley, Steve LeBlanc, and myself, we formed 35 South Capital and raised our first fund to do just that. Um, you know, we, we all came together in the middle of COVID. Uh, we really thought that COVID would have a very dramatic impact on commercial real estate. There was a lot of fear on how you would use real estate, uh, what was going to happen with retail, what internet shopping would do, what was going to happen in apartments. Mm -hmm. And so we really kind of put together our initial thesis around, you know, what we thought was going to be a lot of disruption in the commercial real estate world. As we know today, there just wasn't that sort of disruption during COVID. But what we did find is a lot of interest in investing in well-located commercial real estate that people knew and could see. So uh, we pivoted and launched our first offering, Front Porch Fund, as a core plus uh, investment. Um, and could you just describe to the listeners, for those who don't know, uh, what is a core plus property? Well, I think the institutional definition of core plus is, you know, well-located assets that have uh, a little bit of value add component to it. Um, our core plus is probably more value oriented than, than most. We really focus on really well-located commercial asset that we can, you know, add value through uh, capital improvements, through rent growth, through better leasing techniques. So we're probably more uh, value oriented than core. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically the idea that you're buying in place income with, you know, growth and value enhancement opportunities. 
So tell us about, I know you are located in Houston, but your name, 35 South, actually has a unique meaning to do with this particular area of the country. Could you just share that? Sure. I mean, naming a company, as you know, is one of the most difficult things you'll do when you launch a business. Um, from just the creative process of trying to find names to once you find a name that you like, is it available? Is is the website taken? Is it available in the state that you're operating in? And so it's a it's a pretty laborious process of trying to to come up with a name. Our our partners all went to school in Texas. John Morton went to TCU. Uh, Ryan Haley and myself went to Baylor. Steve LeBlanc uh, went to the University of Texas. Um, we all of those schools are located uh, on I thirty five. And one weekend. John Morton and his wife, Shannon, were driving from Fort Worth to Austin to attend a Texas football game. And Shannon turned to John and said, well, what do you think about 35 South? And of course, he immediately picked up the phone and called me and Ryan and asked us what we thought about it. And I really liked it and immediately did our search on it. And it was available. Um, and so it's pretty odd that you find a name that you really love that is also available. And so what we really thought about 35 South Capital is what a better name to describe our partnerships coming together, the highway I-35 connecting all four of those, uh, all three of those schools, um, as well as describing where we invest. Um, our company is focused on investing in Texas. We're focused on the Texas Triangle and you know, I-35 is one of the major arteries running through the state of Texas. Yeah. I always think of the old Pat Green song, Southbound 35, when I hear it, you know, it's a still Texas boy in my, just plays through my head whenever I see 35 South. So uh, definitely helps in Texas having that recognition too. Um, well, tell us about the fund and, you know, where you are in terms of acquisition, but more importantly, you know, tell us about, you know, how 35 South is different. You know, we don't just partner with people because they're investing in quote unquote real estate. There's specific reasons for doing so. Sure. I'll tell you, we, we just completed our first fundraise, uh, finished it in, in February. As you know, uh, raising a first time fund is very challenging. Raising a first time fund for partners, even though we all come from a lot of experience in the real estate business, uh, we also formed our company together just two years ago. So we're an emerging manager as well as raising a first time fund. So it's a that's a very daunting challenge to do, um, but we're very pleased to announce that we closed our first fund. Our first fund target was twenty five million dollars, and we raised a little over thirty one million dollars in fund. Oh, congratulations! Well, thank you. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that invest in commercial real estate. Um, it's a it's a crowded uh, industry. Um, I think you know what where we wanted to differentiate ourselves was. When we launched our company, we we wanted to focus on individual investors and small families, and and those are our customers. These are investors that want to have an allocation to real estate. They want to invest with people that they know, and they want to invest in properties that they can see. Um, yes, they can buy publicly traded REIT stock. Yes, they can invest in you know B REIT type structures, mm -hmm. but our investors like the assets that we buy because they know them, they're in their neighborhoods, they can see them, they can call the sponsor anytime. Uh, and so, you know, we invest in the areas where our investors live. And so when we targeted 
this fund, we were really thinking about this group of investors that we thought was underserved and we could provide them a very compelling product that would generate yield and upside potential in a very tax efficient uh, format. Shifting gears just a little bit, um, you know, there's a term that I hadn't heard in my career, but seems to be floated around a lot more these days, and that's negative leverage. Uh, I know that is is very talked about in the real estate space, especially the commercial real estate space. If you could just spend a few minutes just letting our, you know, audience understand what that is, what its implications are for real estate, and then what you and your firm are doing to combat that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, negative leverage is very simple. Whenever your borrowing costs are higher than the yields that the property um, achieves. Um, so in real estate, we talk about cap rates. That is really just the, the yield on the property that the property produces from a net operating income versus its cost. So if the yield on the property is a four and a half percent, but my borrowing costs are five and a half or six percent, then that is negative leverage. And, you know, negative leverage by itself is an inherently bad thing. However, you know, what we're seeing today is interest rates spiked pretty dramatically, pretty quick. The Fed moved very quickly to raise rates. And it effectively has created a situation where valuations did not move in the same speed. And so therefore, many properties found themselves in a negative leverage situation where uh, the net operating income from that property, the yield on that property uh, was not enough to pay the debt service. And so um, negative leverage currently right now is a very hot topic. Mm -hmm. Our uh, chairman and one of our, our partners, Steve LeBlanc, talks about never buying in a negative leverage situation. Um, so your, your second question was, how are we dealing with negative leverage? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with our current portfolio. We all have fixed rate debt. Our average fixed rate debt today is 4.4%. And our current yield on our portfolio is 6.6. .6. So, you know, we're north of 200 basis points positive leverage on our current portfolio. But really where this is impacting is acquiring new properties because you know borrowing costs continue to go up and the yields on these properties you know are flat then you know right now we're dealing with one of those scenarios where owners still want a very high price for their property they want a low cap rate mm -hmm. but borrowing costs have increased a lot you know a lot higher than they're used to and so it's creating negative leverage in, in several different product types um we definitely try to stay away from a negative leverage scenario. Um, and so we've had to turn down, you know, several opportunities. We actually, there was a project that we were under contract to purchase. And when we finally got all the debt quotes in and we looked at where the yield on the project was and it was going to result in negative leverage, um, we had to drop that opportunity. We tried to see if the owner would accept a lower price that resulted in positive leverage. They were not. And we were just not going to buy into a negative leverage scenario. I know another term that is used often in real estate, you've used it already, is value add. And for those businesses or those uh, commercial real estate groups that do buy in negative 
leverage situations. It, to me, sometimes it, it feels almost like a gamble in the sense that they're saying, we are so good at this value add thing that we do that our growth on the property, you know, can overcome the negative leverage situation or, you know, our rent growth assumptions are, are, are that high because we're that good at value add. Um, I, I don't, I can't say I've ever really seen that work out to a phenomenal degree, but just what is your take on value add and what does value add really mean? I know a lot of investors, it's a, it's a buzzword and it gets used more generally, but what types of things do you do on a property to actually put value add into it? Yeah, I think the industry has a lot of different ways of describing what value add is in real estate. Many people think of it as just leasing up vacancy. Mm. Um, so if you have vacancy in a center, then the value add is I will lease it up. That is not how 35 South Capital views value add. At heart, all of our partners are value creators where um, we approach not just real estate, but everything that we do and how we can add value to a partnership and investment to our clients. And so, you know, our definition of value add is where we invest capital wisely in a project, in a business where we know that we can um, grow NOI, that we can increase leasing velocity, that we know we can achieve real rental income, where we can reduce expenses and we can create, you know, real value. And so examples of that, Kevin, I think are um, in, in a project near and dear to you in, in Austin Westlake, where we are taking a very tired building, investing capital appropriately, turning a B building into an A plus building at the end of the day. It's still small, so it's not a downtown trophy project. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're making a project that was almost functionally obsolescent. Yeah. A product type that many users didn't really want to be at. Yeah. And we're turning it into a building where users want to be there and it's in their neighborhood. It's close to their homes. It's close to their kids' schools and where they actually want to come into the office every day. And what that results in is higher demand for that particular property. And we're actually seeing it today in higher rents. And so when we bought that property, rents were in the mid 20s. Um, and today, you know, we're doing leases in the high 20s, low 30s. And so, you know, to us, value add means that you're investing in the asset, you're, you come up with creative ways to truly add value, reduce expenses, uh, and make a product more desirable for users to occupy. I think one one aspect of real estate investing, and I'm, I'm not sure how germane it is to what you do, but given the nature of buildings, I feel it may, is cost segregation. Uh, I think what a lot of people don't realize is the depreciation, we'll call them benefits, and we'll put a star on that for the compliance people to think about. But I, I do believe, you know, proper structuring of depreciation on the buildings uh, on a commercial real estate site can be valuable for an investor in terms of how their cash flow stream comes back to them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll just talk about, you know, we feel like, you know, our structure for real estate investing is a very tax efficient structure because one, it, we do get to take uh, advantage of the depreciation and the cost segregation and the advanced depreciation. And two, you know, our properties generate income. So we're able to make distributions um, to our investors. 
So we make quarterly distributions to our investors. And then three, you know, the long-term value add that we just talked about, you know, you have the uh, capital gains tax on it. So there's many other structures that you can invest in in real estate, but you don't get to take advantage of depreciation. They don't pay current distributions. They actually generate phantom income and they don't get to take long-term capital gains tax. They're, they're, they're taxing at ordinary income. So we feel like our offering is a very tax efficient way to invest in real estate. Yeah, I'd agree with that. In fact, the focus of pretty much every conversation we have with our families, it's, it's not about the, the gross return on the property. It's about what do you keep at the end of the day? And I think the most successful families who have a track record investing in real estate look for groups like 35 South that really get that. And they're not just trying to hit a an IR number for a pitch deck, right? They're, they really understand this is the value that comes back. These are the assets you own. You can go touch them. You can see them where are they located and things of that nature. Um, if we were to pivot and say, where is what is your vision for 35 South three, five, 10 years from now? The answer is, is, you know, a lot of things may happen over this time period. We love our investors. The group of investors that we serve every day um, are great people. Um, they're great families. Um, they want to invest in real estate. And, you know, we provide a really good product for them. So we're going to continue to grow that investor base. We're going to continue to serve our investors, our customers, and provide them with unique real estate opportunities in the state of Texas. Um, We're focused right now on the state of Texas, Kevin. We think it's the best union in our country. It's got the best population growth. Um, It's got the best job growth. It's very pro-business. It has a very highly educated workforce. And it's, you know, it's a large state and, you know, the Texas triangle, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston is one of the largest, you know, mega markets in the world. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, uh, from a world perspective, it would be the ninth largest economy, you know, in a GDP aspect. So it's a very big market and there's a lot of opportunities in Texas. And so uh, we're focused on Texas right now. The other reason we're focused on Texas is that we know it, you know, we're from Texas. We live here. Yeah. Um, we're born here. We, we've worked in all of these cities. I've actually lived in every city that we work in. Oh, wow. And we have relationships with, with everybody in these cities. And so what we provide to our investors is, you know, a, a competitive advantage in that they're getting local experts in the state of Texas. Um, they're getting Texas exposure into commercial real estate with people that are here, that are staying here, and um, that know the markets and the people in the market. So does that mean we will always stay in the state of Texas? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Right now, we're focused on the state of Texas. I think we will continue to provide these real estate investment opportunities to individuals and families for the foreseeable future. Um, and so we'll have our, our next offering, hopefully in the next few months. You know, We want to make sure that we're providing the right product type into the right market. We're not just going to make a product just because we want to make a product, but we want to have a, a really good offering that, that serves a need in the market. And, and we'll see where it goes from there. Well, speaking of your next offering and and the need in the market, you hit on it earlier, was that um, even though the rates had increased, a lot of the building owners, because they are smaller 
you know, owners, they're not institutional owners generally in the type of buildings that you're buying, you know, they're hanging on and we're not seeing the the price reduction come with that coupling of higher interest rates. Do you think when we get through the rate raise cycle, maybe another 50, 75 basis points of rate pressure will finally make that break free? Or do you think Texas just has so much energy behind it that we're not going to see quite the value drop on the on the acquisition side that we were hoping for? Kevin, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> you know, if I if I knew where interest rates were going, I I would probably not be doing this. Yes. Um, you know, but we don't know where what interest rates are going to do. And matter of fact, I've always been wrong when I've tried to guess where interest rates are going to go. I think how what we try to do is just do what we do really well. Yeah. Okay. We're going to continue to find well-located real estate. We're going to continue to um, provide unique opportunities for our investors to invest in, you know, great real estate in the state of Texas. We're going to continue to invest in projects where we can add value um, and we can create long-term value and cash flow with our investors. So, you know, do I think there'll be more opportunity? I don't know. We definitely took a pause as interest rates uh, were spiking at the end of last year. We put our foot on the brake and then we ultimately slammed on the brake because, you know, interest rates were moving so fast. We just didn't know when this was ever going to stop. As we entered into 2023, we've sort of taken our foot off the brake. We are seeing more opportunities hitting the market. But we're being very disciplined mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we buy the right price, the right location, that it we can get the right financing, you know, really make sure that we can be successful for our investors. Well, with all that, if you were to just give us two or three bullet points to wrap up 35 South, what's coming next? Um, I know I've already touched on that, but just what should someone who's considering investing with 35 South really think about before they start placing capital? Well, I would say, you know, the 35 South Capital team is very dedicated to our investors. You have tremendous access to our team. You have tremendous visibility into the types of properties that we invest in. We have a very experienced team. We have over 100 years of combined experience from Steve LeBlanc running a publicly traded REIT to alternative investments at TRS. John Morton, who managed leasing for Brookfield and Transwestern. To myself, who worked for Weingarten and Amreed and Goldman Sachs, uh, we have a very experienced team who is very, is accessible to our investors. We have a deep bench, um, and we're dedicated to providing these great opportunities. So investors that are interested in hearing more about us, about what we're doing, the bullet points that I would give them is look at our team, look at what we're doing, and then look at the types of assets that we're buying. If that's interesting to you, then then give us a call. We would love to talk real estate investing. Kevin, you know me. I like to talk real estate investing just as much as I like to talk baseball. Yeah, for sure. Love to talk with anybody that's interested. Well, I will say this, the, um, the time I've really enjoyed getting to know you and your team and even your family. And uh, one thing we really enjoy is, is having great close relationships with our general partners uh, where we place capital for our families. And you guys have always gone above and beyond uh, sharing not just your time, but also your, your wisdom on a number of things like being on the podcast today. So we greatly appreciate it, John. Thanks for joining us. And if anyone needs to get a hold of John, 3535southcapital.com. 
you can find them there, reach out. And um, as always, reach out to us, seenthiseracapital.com. We'd love to talk to you. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for listening to the Uncorrelated Minds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit the show notes page for links to further information at www.sinaceracapital.com. Sinacera Capital is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Sinacera and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or offer to sell a security. It does not take into account any investor's particular investment objectives, strategies, tax status, or investment horizon. You should consult your attorney or tax advisor. All information has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy, reliability, or completeness of, or liability for, decisions based on such information, and it should not be relied on as such. The views expressed in this commentary are subject to change based on market and other conditions. These documents may contain certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking statements. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance, and actual results or developments may differ materially from those projected. Any projections, market outlooks, or estimates are based upon certain assumptions and should not be construed as indicative of actual events that will occur.